This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I am your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and threads and wherever you are on social media at Burns Clan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me today is the vice president of The Witness BCC, no stranger to the podcast. She is the author of the acclaimed book, I Won't Shut Up. Allie Henny, I'm here. Oh, wait, no, crap. <laughs> you thought- Finding your voice oh, when the world shines yeah, of silence. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot. I'm, I'm rusty now. No, it's all good. It's I'm all rusty. good. Of course, you know, it's Allie Henny. Allie, how you doing today? I'm good. I was wondering why you were asking me to say my own name. I'm like, bro, this is like wild. You can't even say my name up on the, up on the podcast? Right, now? right. Like, no, no. <laughs> well, you know, whenever I'm on the pod with Allie and really outside of the pod, we're always talking about church culture. So if you know anything about us and our stories, you know, we come from uh, Pentecostal backgrounds, expressive backgrounds. And now Ali has moved into more of a mainline tradition of the faith. I'm still in the Pentecostal uh, space, but we're always talking about church culture and healthy church culture. What produces a, a culture that makes people feel welcome, makes people feel like they're safe, and it's funny, I was looking up this um, study on Barna. I came across this study that says just three in 10 U.S. adults regularly visit spiritual or transcendent spaces. One of the goals of the study was to assess the respondents' feelings surrounding space, starting with one's perception of transcendence or connection to a higher power. And this is the thing that actually got me about this particular study, because it says 47% of U.S. adults say sitting in a church makes them feel peaceful. It says here, and I quote, in a world where we are more fragmented and disconnected from each other and meaningful experiences, it seems even more imperative that the spaces people inhabit, worship in, visit and rest are, are places of peace and calm. And and I'm thinking about this concept of peace and calm and appreciation as a pastor. And Ali, you're in the process of ordination you're stepping into that role. You've been a pastor. And I'm thinking, do people really feel safe and calm when they come into the house of God, when they come into a spiritual space? Is this something that you actively consider or you've, you've heard from people that they've actively been considering when they talk about joining a church or visiting a, a space of worship? So yeah, that's a really interesting question because I think it really depends on the space. Um, there are a lot of people who do not feel safe in a church space because they don't know what they're going to hear. And so like you think about, I mean, if I'm a black, I am a black person, but if I'm going to visit like a predominantly white church, I'm not necessarily going to feel safe right off the bat unless I know the church, unless I know what the church stands for. You know, I know, you know, that, that I'm not going to hear anything funky from the, from the pulpit. 
but I might not necessarily feel safe in that in that space. Um, you know, some of our queer siblings might not feel mm-hmm. safe. Like the idea of church um, might not feel like a safe place right. for them because they might hear homophobia or transphobia or whatever coming from the from the pulpit. So it's kind of interesting um, to me that so many people see that as a safe space. Um, but I think that that also kind of speaks to that the church can be a safe place for people just depending on what the space is. And if, and if you're in a space that's been, that's been cultivated and and feels safe for you. You know, what's interesting also is these um, even lower hanging fruit ideas of when I come into church, am I going to be judged for my appearance? And it's just like the very base level of being judged for your appearance. And because I'm native to church culture, and because I feel like, you know, there's there's ways in which I can float in and out of different church cultures and know some of the cues and know the unwritten rules. I haven't always had to think about that until I visited other churches in different spaces where I didn't know. And then I kind of looked around and said, am I underdressed? Am I overdressed? Am I, you know, are you looking at me because of the way I um, present myself? Is this shirt too much? Is what, sa- what it says on it too much? And you're actually thinking about that because one of the key key realities of walking into a church is you don't want to be a distraction to anybody else. Or you also don't want to be distracted yourself Mm -hmm. from being able to worship God freely. So this is, this is really important because I think a lot of our listeners will probably resonate with this idea of safety in church spaces. And I've even talking to some of our listeners when they have that, that switch that flips in their mind and in their, really their, their spirits, when they, and they feel like this is no longer a safe place, it's very abrupt. It becomes very uncomfortable for them mm-hmm. to be able to truly worship God. Yeah. You know, and I think you have to be in a space of safety to be able to fully engage with the divine. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I agree with that 100%. I've been in churches where I've, again, like I've heard funky stuff coming from the pulpit and immediately uh, there was one situation where I remember I was in a church. Um, I was actually serving as a youth pastor at this church and it was a predominantly white church. It was in kind of a a rural setting and um, why I was there and whatever, like that's a whole long story that I won't get into. But there was a point where the pastor of the church, and he was just a few years older than I was, but he made the comment of something like it was something to the effect of like you know weren't the 1950s so such a great time like we need to go back <laughs> to that time like, what? I, like I, I, i'm if i'm lying i'm dying and i'm still up on here talking so you know i'm not i'm not i'm not talking i'm sitting on the sea of glass saying this but yes I'm, I'm sitting here in this airbnb in philadelphia saying this um but yeah so he's just sitting here just talking about like how you know the world was so much better and, and things have progressively gotten worse and like wow. all this other type of stuff. So I'm sitting here like, you know, I'm the I'm the only like black adult in in the church in the, mm-hmm. in the church service. Um and it's just, you know, me and in my I guess my oldest, I was still pregnant at the at the time with my youngest. And it was just like the record scratched and I was like Vroom. And so um, my my husband was up and he was running sound and like I texted him and like we both like we were both like texting back and forth just like Mm -hmm. what on 
earth did the, the, is this person saying? So the sermon, like, I won't even go into what the sermon was about, but I just remember thinking like, this is, this is so thoughtless in what this person is saying. And he's talking about you know how like oh this historic time it was such right. a great time i mean essentially it was like he wasn't you know stumping for for donald trump he wasn't stumping for make america great again but it was in that whole it was in that whole zeitgeist of when that of when that was coming and immediately I didn't, I didn't feel safe in that, in that space yeah. any longer. And it, and again, you know, it wasn't that the, it, it, the pastor was just a few years older than me. It wasn't that I don't So think, he didn't even experience the fifties like that? Like he didn't even experience it? He didn't experience it. So he was talking like, weren't the fifties so I mean, great? Was, it's like, he bro, you weren't born, even there. He wasn't even there. I know. It was like, he, he was wow. born in like 1981 or 1982. Come on, bro. I mean, like he was, like he was born like in, in the eighties. Right. But he's, but he's saying all this stuff. So he's like, a young, so it's like, I don't even think that, and this isn't to, you know, sound like I'm trying to defend this guy or whatever. Cause I'm not, but I think that what the place that he was saying this from, it wasn't a place of like, Oh yeah, let's, bring back segregation Mm -hmm. it was straight up he wasn't thinking about how the 1950s wasn't pleasant for everybody sitting in that room and so it was just it was just this completely and utterly like thoughtless thing but at that at that point it's like bro you like you lost me there like this isn't this isn't good but you know there's there's moments like that and it doesn't have to be something you know as egregious as somebody you know preaching that kind of message um there can be other things that make us not feel safe like leaders that are leaders that are toxic leaders that do things um that are unspeakable different types of abuses or that type of thing mm-hmm. that completely just can make us feel unsafe and i think that you're right that there is a, a switch that flips whenever that happens that it goes from being oh this is a this is a good place to actually know yeah. this isn't and you and you you can't worship you can't engage there you know i also think about how often in church culture we focus on being excellent and we focus on being presentable and we focus on creating an environment of physical safety for people in terms of you know security but we don't often think about it from the context of can people actually come in and can their shoulders not be tensed in the house of God. And I think there needs to probably be, and I say this as a pastor, more attention that we give to creating teams and people to experience safety, because I've been in those situations, especially, and not even just in white churches. Like I've been in these situations in black churches as well, where, you know, I'm a pastor in the city and I go visit a church and then people are telling me where I can, can't sit. And all this, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm, I, you know, my bad. I didn't know, you know what I'm <laughs> right, saying? Right. I there wasn't a reserve seat here. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I thought I could mm-hmm. just come in and sit. It, that that awkwardness and it, it clouds the entirety of the worship experience. So let's talk about some some specific things, right? What are some specific things? And I guess we can go like one at a time, giving one each. What are some specific things that create safety versus specific things that create? you know, a lack of safety. So I think the first thing that I would say is, is not just people want to feel welcome and greeted when they walk in, right? Quote unquote, which is great. I think one of the most important things is having diverse people to welcome because it's not the same type of person that's out there welcoming you. Because if that's the case, you're already getting a message. And that message is, 
this is a church that prioritizes this group of people. It could be generational. Mm-hmm. It could be body type. It could be um, age. It could be stage of life. It could be just this look. Mm-hmm. You know how some people like they want yeah. everybody to look the same and look polished well, and look, you know, it's just like, well. why do you think that's okay? Like, <laughs> so, so like if everybody who comes in is going to look like that person. Mm-hmm. And I think just having a diversity of people to greet um, a diversity of people of, of life experience to welcome people into the house automatically shares this is a value of the people who we desire to be on the front line, which isn't just one type of person or one sliver of humanity, but it's it's broad and it's mm-hmm. as expansive as our church is. Yeah, you know, that those are really that's a really good thing. Um the diver- the diversity and stuff that you speak to, because you know, I've had experiences where you go into a church and it's like you can tell everybody who was singing on the platform that day was told to dress a certain way. Right, right. Like they they are they are all like color coordinated and everything. And I'm not saying that that's that that's wrong necessarily. Um, but it's like, but there's just but but it's like a certain kind of almost like fakeness to it where it's like, okay, yeah, you have your own wardrobe. It's not like, you know, everybody, and it's not like, you know, everybody wear black and purple today. It's like, okay, everybody has to have like a certain look and that can kind of be, that can kind of Everybody shot that kith or like, you know, fear of God or, you know what I'm saying? Like how all y'all got the same. Y'all got, y'all all all got the same swag. Y'all all got the same haircut. Y'all talk the same way. And that start and that definitely starts to. Well, I'm sorry. I know that's like very white churches, but Paris Balmain or (laughs) Balenciaga. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Stores I've never shopped at. Right. I'm like, how you? How are you? How's everybody have the same Balenciaga? On? Like, everybody, I'm just like, what? Everybody out here carrying their Telfar bag. Right, right, right. Like, exactly. What? Thank you. What? Thank what? you. Yes. But yeah, but something else that you know, I think that creates safety is just being honest about who you are and mm. where you're at. I uh, worship at it's a it's a black historic black Episcopal church. It's a lot of people who are older. Um, yeah. So so some um, I am an older millennial and I am among the youngest. We've had some young people, some younger people, Gen Zers come, which has been great. So I'm like, oh yay, I'm not the youngest person <laughs> right, here right, anymore. Right. Wonderful. Um which is which has been which has been awesome. We've had we've had some new people coming within the last few weeks. But it's mostly baby boomers and even like silent generation people. Like hmm. we have like a person who's a hundred and one years Whoa. old um attending That's my incredible. church. We have a lot of non- Generians, a lot of septuagenarians, like like these like these people, they they have their season. They've been they've been around for a while, and something that I appreciate about my church though is that we're honest about that. Mm. And I mean, like, first of all, you mean it's like, well, yeah. Mm. I mean, you can look and you can see that there's that there's older people here. That's but you've good. been but you've been places. Sometimes, like, I've been places where it's kind of like it might be, you know, all a bunch of older people or all a bunch of younger people or all like you know one demographic. So you know, all like white people, and and people are always kind of trying to make excuses for the lack of diversity right, there or the right. lack of yeah, well, there's not young people here, and they try to make excuses for that rather than just being like, yeah. Yeah, this is this is where we're at. We're an aging congregation. This is where we're yes, at. Yes. We we don't have much diversity because we're not in a very diverse in a very diverse city. We don't have very very many older people because we're we're a young leadership team. We're a young church. So I think that just being 
honest about a place that's honest about where they're at to me that speaks that speaks of health that you're not talking aspirationally but you're just saying this is where we're where we're at and you're welcome here so yeah. that authenticity and then that authenticity and extending that welcome and saying you might be different than the demographic that's present here right now but we want you to be here we're not we're not invested in what this is right now. Um, but we're also not going to oversell our aspiration. Right. It's just, it, hopefully that makes sense. Like, Cause yeah, I, I've been yeah. places where, um, we're multi everything. We're multi. Like, well, and it's I like, mean, okay, are you maybe. really though? Yeah. And it's like, you know, people, people will see, I, I've been into churches that have been, have skewed a little bit older or have not, or where they, they've not had like, whenever I was in college, they didn't have very many college kids, even though we were in a college town. And so it was like, we're going to pitch like this aspirational thing to you to try to get you to stay here rather than just being honest about, yeah, we don't have, we don't have a whole lot of young people and we're trying to figure that out, et cetera, et cetera. Or being like, I've been to churches where it's like, I'm the only black person that that's, that's there. And then they try to, you know, be like, Oh, you know, like, you know, this person comes and this person comes and like, whatever. But then, but then you realize you, you, you come a few services and you realize that those people are like on the fringes of the church and they maybe have visited like a handful of times and they're not really like in the life of the church, but people want to kind of graft them in to the church and kind of pretend like that there's that, that, that there's diversity there. And so, yes, I just think that it's important for churches, to be authentic about that and yeah. to, and for us as as consumers if i like if i can use that word of church culture um people who are who are engaging with church culture it's important to look for that and if you don't if you don't see that on this authenticity that's a, that's like a major red flag you know i that, i think that's super helpful i think i've also been challenged as a pastor to not be a church that, and I guess this is another thing that we would say is important, but I've been challenged to not not try to seek legitimacy for our church. Mm. Like there's a way in which like it's very easy and tempting to present a desire for people to see you as something mm. or for people to see us as something. And that's in your location. That's in what you present online. That's in, you know, the ways in which you talk about the church, all the above. And I've, I've really been convicted about the ways in which it's so easy in church culture just to try to seek legitimacy, the legitimacy of other mm-hmm. people, uh, the legitimacy of, of uh, national figures, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the legitimacy of popular perception. Oh, we're the church that does this. We're the church that does that. And, mm-hmm. and in reality, I think the Lord really has been doing a work in us um, at our church of really focusing on the health of the community, our community itself mm-hmm. and the people around us and leaving the rest of that stuff where it's at. Like, of course, perceptions matter and what people think of your church matters in a lot of ways, because whether or not that matters, whether or not they want to uh, attend or, or mm-hmm. you know, visit or what have you or encounter God there. But I think when you're seeking legitimacy, you start to make choices that are about how it looks mm-hmm. rather than what it actually is. Yeah. And so then you start talking about perceptions, right? Yeah. So it's like big on, you know, numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's even so weird. Like when I, here's an example of this. Like it's always, I always feels weird whenever there's food giveaways and it was like, we gave away 1 million pounds of food. It's like, 
Yay! You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have a scope and a scale for what 50,000 pounds of food is. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have a scale for how many people that services. Mm-hmm. I don't have a scale for how many families have been blessed as a result of that. And it almost seems like it's different than saying, hey, we blessed 100 people. The 50,000 pounds makes it seem bigger. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like those little things Mm -hmm. that you choose the presentation Mm -hmm. of. And and it's nothing wrong with that. Like, there's nothing wrong with giving food away. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, like, internally, you start to think about the ways in which you can present the biggest possible. Yeah like uh perception to people and the yeah. biggest possible number to people because that's what we did. And mm-hmm. in reality, the seeking of legitimacy is not the purpose of the church. Right. Right. We want the church to be credible and we want the church to have integrity and credibility, but the seeking of legitimacy, that's God's business, right? Like yeah. that's 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 above our pay grade. We should desire to just serve people and love them well. And so that's one of the things I've been challenged with because I think that creates an unhealthy church culture. Yeah, you know what? That and for our listeners out there that maybe are looking for churches or trying to navigate like what does it even mean to be part of a church, I think that what you just said is to me it's almost like kind of like red flag type stuff um some of the things that we've been talking about are maybe kind of red flag type stuff and the seeking of legitimacy that and like image management which kind of ties into that that those are huge red flags so i mean if you if you are seeking a church and you go in and it's like everything is about well you know who the pastor had lunch with this week and and you know the pastor's trying to be like a a, a mini small town celebrity you right, know that right. that whole type of thing that type of vibe um that is maybe not where you want to be. I often think that I, I've, I've seen too many times because we, we've been in the church world, you know, so we, we've been around, we've been in those, in those pastor oh, circles. Yeah. We've been, been in the green rooms. We've been in the green rooms. I was yeah, getting ready to yeah, say the, the green, green rooms. rooms we've, we've been in the green rooms. We've seen these things. So I can kind of, you know, lift up the hood and tell you from a behind the scenes perspective that the guy, uh, this is a conversation that we've had offline, mostly because we both are former or former youth pastors mm-hmm. and the program guy. The guy yeah, that all that that yeah. all he can talk because it's and I'm sorry I'm saying he and I know that's some people like that's sexist. It's not usually women pastors who do this. Not you. I mean, I'm sure that there are some. I'm sure that there are some, but it's usually male pastors that that do this. It's a certain type of personality that's like we're going to talk about our program. And we're and that's all I'm going to talk about, mm-hmm. and everything that you know that 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 first church of the whatever of the of the creek by the shore on the sand, <laughs> we're gonna everything that that everything that that's happening. I'm trying to like not like name churches that can right. like, no, not course, name names course, that can actually yeah. be names of churches. So somebody's not like you're talking about my church, but but like the but like the person who always is going to talk about what their church is doing and how big their church did it, and and it's constantly you know I I had I had. A meeting with this pastor or with this big wig in my denomination or my fellowship or whatever that person that because it's usually a guy um like i said it, it could be it could be a woman i haven't encountered it yet but it's usually a guy that guy is always unhealthy that pastor mm, is wow. I, i've like i have not seen a case i'm sure i'm gonna offend wow. somebody by saying this but in my but in my own experience and i've been doing this for almost 20 years 
I don't know if I have ever encountered a person that whenever all they can talk about is what their church is and is doing and how big they are and how, or how much they've grown numbers, 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 program, program, program. There's always something behind that. There's always something, yeah. there's always something. And so I have learned, cause whenever, you know, I was young and a young youth pastor was like, wow. So you mean like, you know, the, 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 uh, revolution in youth ministry is like you, you all are being mighty warriors for Christ and y'all got, got like baptized 150 people and blah, blah, blah. Right. Whenever right. I was younger, you know, I used to be like, oh, wow, that's like, wow. You know, they, well, they, wow, they're really on fire. They're really whatever. And now I kind of realize like, all of that might be true and and there might be good work for it happening for the kingdom with that. But then behind that is often leadership that is very, that can be very broken. That can mm. be, very, that mm. can be very, um, that they can, they can be hurting. They can be having their own personal battles. And again, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying that I'm, that I am coming down on people who are excited about their church. No, these are, are excited about like, their congregation. Yeah, and we're talking about like extremity. Like I think that's that's the thing is like there's a there's a level of information that everybody has to have for yeah. an organization to keep going and to be healthy mm-hmm. and to but I think it's extremity and I think you know, at a certain point, like we embrace the, when we get to the place where we embrace the extremes and we can't explain why we're doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. that we're just not doing it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, what, why are we doing this? It's like, I don't know. Like, why are we not doing this? I don't know. You know, it's like, wait, yeah. what? Like, what, what, why can't we defend what we're doing? Why can't yeah. we explain what we're doing? It doesn't make sense, you know? And I think one of the things that I've, I've been really challenged by in addition to what you're saying is... I think it's healthy that you have an opportunity to actually meet people at church. Hey everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pastor Mike, but let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash Pastor Mike. And for just $1 an episode, just a dollar? now that's the bare minimum, that's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, you can go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening, but you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Grieve, Breathe, Receive, Finding a Faith Strong Enough to Hold Us, written and narrated by Pastor Steve Carter. Grieve, Breathe, Receive. Those three words became a profound mantra for Steve Carter during a season of deep healing the kind that comes after painful trauma. Grieve, Breathe, Receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. I think also, in addition to that, I think it's really healthy if you're able to actually meet fellow parishioners at church and you're actually able to have a time of fellowship and connection with them that isn't like micromanaged, right? Like that isn't like, 
There's a like, hey, you go, you go over there and talk to them and look at your neighbor and 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 do this and do that. And it's like, yes, that's part of our culture, mm-hmm. like in, in Pentecostal circles, mm-hmm. you know, like engagement, because sometimes people will be kind of in their shell. You want to break mm-hmm. them out of their shell. I'm not talking about forcing them, but I think healthy times and spaces for people to be able to interact is just so crucial in the life of the church. And I think it's funny, oftentimes we get we feel the service and I'm, I'm talking about myself here. No dead space, no dead space. Like, keep it going, keep it going. Yeah. You know, to keep the momentum, don't lose yeah. the, because I'm thinking about the psychology of the human person and the body and everything. And it's like, sometimes you know, people tell me like, it's okay if there's like a minute where people can actually talk to each other. You know, like, <laughs> it's not where you go to a church, you don't know who the person is, but then the only way you can fellowship with them is if there's another program that you attend. So I have a whole, I have a whole tangent about this. I'm going to try not to like talk for the rest of the episode about this. Cause I, cause I have, I have an issue. (laughs) I have an an issue here. So I feel like that in the church, there have been several different movements. Like we've seen like, you have small group movements. Right. Um, We've seen, and I'm not talking down about small groups, but I'm also saying that there are a lot of healthy thriving churches that don't do small groups and that have, and that have different, that have different models um, that, that aren't necessarily creating what can sometimes be like these contrived communities around something that really is just contrived around like building up the church and kind of, it kind of becomes like where, so sometimes I kind of feel like, like small groups kind of become like oh it's like this mlm brand party mm-hmm. that you're that you're coming to and it's not really about fellowshipping and getting to know people it's about selling people into the church mm-hmm. and getting people and getting people deeper into the culture of the church but we've had the small group movement and then because of the great recession in like 2008 2009 where a lot of churches had to lay off paid staff so like you, you right. used to see pre 2008 pre 2009 we've kind of have gotten back to it a little bit um as as the as economics and stuff have gotten a little bit better but but with that great recession where you might have had a church staff that they might have had you know 10 pastors on staff they might have had a bunch of a, a huge you know amount of paid staff well, churches weren't able to do that because people weren't able to to tithe and give a whole lot during that time. So a lot of churches had to cut back on the amount of staff that they had. So then you saw this um, very like volunteer kind of movement come mm. up in the church where you have people who aren't getting paid or maybe a few people who maybe are getting paid a little bit. Um, but it's, but it's mostly a volunteer movement that is free labor that the church is getting to run the church. So it's like, you've got, if you're, if you're a, a, a mobile type of church, you've got a whole team that's packing out the sound equipment and the chairs and everything. You've got, you've got people, a whole team that's, that's, you know, doing the kids and that's doing all, all this other type of stuff. And so often, Oftentimes, what has happened in churches is that the energy of relationship and the energy of fellowship and the energy of all that has gone to feeding the machine. Mm. So it's gone to, That's we're going to, we're going to get you into this two, three, four week program. You've been here for like, you, you visited week one, you visited well by, you know, week three or four that you visited, you visited three or four times. We want to get you into the program that this, that, that, that then is going to teach you about the church. That's going to teach you some of, 
what the basic core tenets of the church are. And then we're going to, then we're going to give you, um, an, a personality assessment and then place you in a ministry. And then we want you, so then we want you to be able to serve. So you're serving alongside of people and you might be getting, building real authentic relationships with people, but your relationships are all mediated through the institution of the church yeah. and everything and, and all the happenings and everything that's happening in the church that you don't actually have relationships with people that are, that are based on, that aren't based on like your work for the church and where you're serving and all the, and all the gossip yeah. and all the, everything that's going on in a church where you just have authentic friendships because these people are your friends. And now I'm not saying that people can't, can't get to that in their relationships, but I think, but again, it just, it, it's a red, we're talking red flags here. For me, it's a, it's a major red flag in a church when there is such a push to get people to join small groups, like just off the bat, like as soon as you get into the church, well, you know, the way that you're going to connect here is you got to get involved in a small group. So you can't have any organic relationships. Right. You can't have any, right. you can't have any organic connections that aren't, that aren't mediated um, by the institution and in the long run that becomes very unhealthy because then whenever something happens and maybe you decide to leave or something changes in your life or whatever, you lose all those relationships, you lose all yeah. of those quote unquote relationships that you, that you had with people because people don't know how to interact with you and they don't have object permanence for you because so you are involved with the institution. So it's like, I don't know how to talk to you as a person because you, because you're not, we, we don't have the commonality of pastor's message that we, that we talked about. We don't have That's the so commonality good. of the thing that happened in the, in the church or whatever that we're, that we're going to talk about. And so uh, honestly, some of my most authentic, deep Christian friendships have come outside of the church right. that I was at, that, right. that I was attending or it came because yes, maybe we were serving in the same in the same ministry, but we spent time together that wasn't that wasn't dictated and mediated by the institution, and we and our schedules weren't so dominated by the institution that we were able to be That's with so one another. Yeah. Um, there there have been churches that I have attended where I have not had um, that deep of relationship with people because everything was mediated by the institution yeah. and as soon as the institution went away. But anyway, there's so much more that I can say about that. But that but that whole thing and I think it ties into the seeking legitimacy. It ties into the image management. It ties into ultimately I think that the that the root of everything that we're that we're talking about um comes back to that authenticity standpoint of just in a church, people being for real and the leadership being for real yeah. and the people who attend the church being, being for real and it, and it not being a facade and it not being a, it not being an institutional thing where we're trying to present ourselves in a way that we're, that we're not where we're trying to seek legitimacy, where we should just be serving, right. where we're not doing all these, all these extraneous things. That's really, that's really the root and all those are huge, just red flags for everything. Yeah, that's super helpful. And and honestly, I was going to say, I feel like there that was a mistake I made when we were relaunching our church was there were people who joined and there's that model of you have a team of people that help you launch, but there were people who joined because of that. And it felt like we didn't have 
enough structure and enough wisdom to know don't just have these people just serving mm-hmm. right just have them like there needs to be like organic relationships there needs to be you know and it felt mm-hmm. like if it, it, it got to the place where people were caring too much and then we saw the skills people had and it was like, oh, snap, they could be the this and that. You know, it's so hard to not think yeah. like that and not think um, objectifying people's gifts, mm. you know, and their talents for the sake of a broader organization, like chewing mm. them up, spin them out, you know. And it wasn't our intention. Our intention was health, but we didn't we didn't properly manage that yeah. expectation. And so that's something that I told um you know, I've told my wife and I've told our team that we're going to do a lot better on because I just see how easy it is to get caught up in that machine. And then when mm-hmm. that machine starts churning, you need more people. You need more yeah. logs in the fire to keep the keep mm-hmm. the machine, you know, churning, you know, um, and, and it wears people out and they get exhausted and frustrated. And and ultimately, you only interact with them for work. Yeah. Not for their personhood, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I just, I feel like that's just so easy for us, especially as leaders and visionaries to like get into that m- mindset mm-hmm. and that mentality. I think the last thing I would say, Ali is, is connecting to leadership. I think it's, it's, it's always healthy when there's an environment of transparency, but not heroism. So it's transparency, not for the sake of being the hero, but it's transparency for the sake of of making the people who feel as though they're too broken to be seen by God recognize that there's commonality in mm-hmm. every person in here, no matter if you have the the biggest title. And what I've what I've seen is there's been this movement within the church that is healthy. Like branding is is not a bad thing. Like right. you know, branding and marketing it's not a bad thing for the church. Right? You have to share who you are so that. Your church can grow and people can know mm-hmm. who you, you know, know who you are, know what God is doing. But a- as time has elapsed, our churches have have widened the gap between pastor and parishioner. Like it's just been wider and wider and mm-hmm. wider and wider. And the only time you really feel like there's connectivity is on a Sunday morning sermon. And often that transparency and vulnerability is for the sake of the hero. Mm-hmm. Like it's for the sake of being like, we are the people you see, I made this decision. I had this choice, mm-hmm. but you know what I decided It's like, yeah, like it's so easy as a, as a pastor to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And I've been so convicted about the ways in which subtly, like I haven't paid attention to that, even in my, my illustrations and what I share and how I share it, you know, am I, am I, am I, Am I sharing the ways in which I'm pursuing healing? Am I sharing the ways in which I mess this up? Am I sharing the ways in which this is a real struggle for me personally? Mm-hmm. This is something I'm actively wrestling with, actively working through. And not for the sake of being a hero and not for the sake of making the sermon better, but for the sake of connecting people more deeply to Jesus, because I have to show them I'm trying to myself mm-hmm. and I'm failing and stumbling in that myself. And just because you are too doesn't mean that you're far from God. It also it, it means that God is is trying to welcome you and invite you closer um, to 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 God's presence. You know, so I feel like there's like a level to which that has to be present for it to be healthy. You know, I think that you're really that you're so right on that. I think that what a lot of people's disenchantment with the church and with going to church on Sunday and being part of a community is the very thing that you're talking about in that 
we often have leaders who put themselves up on a pedestal and people also build that pedestal and also put them up oh, on the pedestal sure. yeah, for, sure. for sure. But a lot of that is the lead is on the leader. They put themselves up on a pedestal. And then whenever that leader fails in some ways, it creates a crisis for people mm-hmm. um, that they don't, that they, that they struggle to navigate. Now there's some instances where, you know, you find out that your pastor, you know, was doing sexual abuse or something right. like that, where it's like that, that has its own kind of considerations and its own reasons for being devastating and its own reasons for breaking trust with people and for people um, who, who maybe say, I don't want to be part of, of this institution anymore and would maybe struggle like that. That's a, That's a different type of situation. But something that I often hear from people in in my own conversations with people as to why um, they don't necessarily want to interact with church or churches anymore, barring something, again, like you know, child sexual abuse or something like that happening, um, a lot of times it's because, it's because the leader failed in some way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be a a large moral failure like you know a, a adultery or something like that, right. but just there was some sort of failure that people weren't prepared for because the pastor was always the hero. The pastor was always mm. was always the person that that you know I'm doing this and I'm doing this right. And then coupled with that, they're even sometimes being if you're going to always be the hero, if you're always going to be the person that's always in the right, you know, you're you're the bride at every at every wedding, you're the corpse at every funeral, you're the you're <laughs> the you're the center of universe. Now, you might not be saying this by your words, but what people see and how and just how we think is well this person this is a pastor this person is close to god this person hears from god this person's anointed whatever the language is that you want to use whatever the language is that you want to use for it and so whenever that person then messes up then does something that they're not supposed to do it can really um shake the foundations yeah, of, of people's faith. And it's almost like, but you, but you know, you were supposed to like, like you were supposed to be like, I mean, I don't think anybody looks at their pastor and is like, Oh, you're supposed to be perfect. I mean, we realize like, okay, that, that was Jesus. That's not any, that that's not anybody else, but there's such a, there's such a standard to which, to which people rightly hold their leadership that whenever leadership isn't honest about who they are and then they fail it's hard. It's just, it's, it's yeah, hard to it's know. Disorienting. It's com- it's yeah. completely disorienting then to kind of know where you stand. And then if your identity is wrapped up in that individual, um, is wrapped up in that institution. Um, cause we, and we have this a lot in the black church where, you know, it's, yes. it's, I, you know, I go to so-and-so such and such church and so-and-so is my, is my pastor. Mm-hmm. And we get really, um, wrapped up in people but and sometimes I think that that pastors and church leaders want to blame the people mm. whenever whenever they leave, whenever their faith is shaken, whenever they say I don't want to have anything to do with the institutional church anymore. I think that it's a temptation to to um, to blame the people who don't want to sit in the pews anymore for not wanting to sit in the pews when really like we need to be holding up a mirror to ourselves yeah, we and do. being we do. like. Well, you know, what what are we doing as church leaders that is 
causing people to decide like how are we making church yeah. so unsafe for people yeah. that they would that because okay we're saying you know 50 percent basically of of americans they feel they they feel safe and peaceful or whatever in a church but that but but 50 percent of yeah, americans ain't attending and, and attending oh, church yeah, yeah, exactly. so so where is so where is the disconnect in how the church is operating versus how people are experiencing the churches and people want to just be you know, a lot of times pastors want to be like well you know we just we need better programs we need better marketing we need yeah. better stuff sometimes you gotta hold up that mirror you gotta hmm. you got to hold up the mirror maybe maybe it's you you know start like like michael jackson said not, i'm not starting i'm starting i mean that quote michael jackson maybe has his own problems but michael jack but but the prophet michael jackson <laughs> said i'm starting with the man in the mirror huh I'm asking him to change whose ways? His. Not not the not the people out His. here. Not not the not the deacon board. <laughs> not the not the not the Sunday not school Tito, teacher. Not Jermaine. Not, not, your, not Tito. Not, not Jermaine. Not, not 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 none of them. Not Janet. Not not Latoya. I'm asking who to change their ways. Him, the person, the man in the mirror, me. I am asking to change to change their ways. And so I think that too many times we want to church leaders, we as church leaders want to look and be like, okay, well, it's, it's the program. It's this, it's that we got to, we got to get, we got to get a fog machine. We got to get lights. We got to, we got to, you know, spruce up the, the communion stuff, like whatever it is, whenever really it's just, it's like, you know, I'm going to quote Taylor Swift. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's no, me. No, not Taylor Swift. Um, I, I literally, I was literally like, uh, because Jamar's not on this episode, there's no Taylor Swift. <laughs> I'm sorry, my my nine year old. Actually, listens to the kids bop version of that song of, of Antihero. I know that it's a Taylor Swift song. I think maybe she knows that, but she listens to the kid bop version and it's whatever, and she listens to it on repeat. And my kid is pray for me, y'all. But anyway, um, but anyway, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes as church leaders, we are the anti-hero we yeah. are we are the problem and that's not to and that's not to disparage pastors that's not, that's not to disparage church leaders that's not to disparage you who's serving as a pastor right now but but no. honestly that's just that's the reality is we we want to ask all these questions yeah. about well we, you know if we we got to change the lights we got to we got to change the songs that we're singing out of whatever whenever sometimes it's just well you the, you're we are not creating a place of safety, a place of vulnerability. And it's because we ourselves are not doing that. We ourselves yes. are not being that. We want everybody else around us. We want we want people to be in small groups and we want everybody else to share. But then we don't share. Right. But then but right. then we we gotta kind of be and and this is some of the, the residual Pentecostalism coming out in me. But I I had mentors and stuff, you know, that talked about because it's unhealthy stuff that they learn from their mentors where it's like not wanting to share, you know, too much, not wanting to, to, you know, be too vulnerable, not wanting people to see you. And there's an element of, there are some things whenever you get into power dynamics, you get into different things. There are some things that is improper for me to talk about with a parishioner. Like that's like, that is like that. This would be improper for me to talk about because of, because of power dynamics, because it maybe is too intimate. It maybe too, is too personal. Um, but I, but I need to talk about that with, with somebody, right. just not, just That's not good. something that I'm going to say in the pulpit. So there is, there is wisdom and discretion there, but too often people err on the side of, 
I always have to be the moral of the story. I always have to be the person who did stuff right. And whenever I didn't do something right, I've got to make light of it. I've got to, and, and there's just never, there's just never a serious, like, you know what, actually I used to struggle with this or I am struggling with this thing. That's not a big confession. That's going to, you know, like you, right. that, that you need to, you know, actually be going and, and talking to your, to your elders or whatever, or right. whatever about from the pulpit. I'm struggling with comparison. I'm struggling with, yeah. you know, desiring the applause. I'm struggling with feeling good about myself. Yes. I'm struggling with, you know, all these different things. And I think, no, I'm glad you said that. I think that's such a convicting word for me as a pastor. And it's so important for us to, Remember, and all of these things are, you know, potential red flags for us in terms of the faith spaces that we um, participate in. But then also for those of us who are leading faith spaces, it's also red flags for us to to do some internal work um, and, mm-hmm. and monitor the cultures that we're a part of. So, Ali, thank you for always being consistent in um, talking about these things, not just on the mic, but then off the mic as well. Um, the organizational dynamics, the power dynamics is so helpful. And I'm really, I'm really hopeful that the people who hear this find some encouragement to know that there's people that are thinking about this, but then also I pray and hope you find a safe place to worship God and a safe place to encounter God's word and God's spirit and God's presence. Um, so that you can not just be someone who is spiritually active, but also someone who's healthy as well. Amen. Amen. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.